listening to Mile High Radio. MileHighRadio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Parenting is a rewarding experience that comes with challenges. Every parent experiences moments when they are overwhelmed or frustrated. Families First wants you to know you are not alone. Colorado parents can call 1-800-CHILDREN for answers, resources, and support. This free confidential support line can be the difference between struggling alone and finding the support you need to strengthen your family. Call 1-800-CHILDREN or visit www.familiesfirstcolorado.org. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. You know, you gotta love spring. It is absolutely gorgeous, you know, and I don't care where you are, spring is just a perfect time to really be thinking about what you should be doing on social media and cleaning up your profiles, and I, that brings me to my guest today, actually I guess I should introduce myself first, I'm just so excited to introduce my guest, I am Deb Creer, I am the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses, and as I mentioned, I'm so excited about my guest. I have had this gentleman on before, and because he is such an expert, I had to have him on again because I do want to talk about spring cleaning, especially on LinkedIn. So with us today is Wayne Breitbarth. Welcome, Wayne. Hi, Deb. It's so great to be back on. Great, great. Well, I'm going to give an abbreviated bio for Wayne because we have so much to talk about today. So Wayne was once a skeptic and now is an outspoken proponent of LinkedIn. Wayne is passionate about helping business professionals from entry level all the way up to CEO learn how to combine their previous experience and relationships with his innovative tool, which is the power formula and LinkedIn, of course, in order to more successfully brand and market themselves and their businesses. So Wayne, again, welcome. It's great to be back on, and boy, have things changed since the last time we were together. I know, you know, and, and I should have looked to see how long ago it was because LinkedIn has made some changes. We we love LinkedIn. They don't make nearly as many changes as Facebook, which is is definitely a benefit. But let's just jump right in. And what I'm going to do is use. Um, we're going to kind of go with a, a tool that Wayne has developed. We will tell everyone how to find it. But it's a white paper that is called "Don't Whine About LinkedIn's Changes." capitalize on them because really that's what we should be doing you know we need to to learn about these new tools and go from there so you know Wayne as you say let's take it from the top so first let's talk about headline it's still 120 characters right but tell us how things might have changed with that yeah your headline you really didn't change much except for all the stuff up in your top box got bigger Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's your picture or your name or your headline, it's it just so bigger to me, me means more important. Right. And so um, as much as it's still the same space, it still has a great um, searching capability for SEO. Mm-hmm. It also is sort of your branding statement. And so mm-hmm. people, now that it's bigger, you better really concentrate on it. But you'd be amazed how many people still don't get the importance of right. this section. And, right. and, and part of it, I think, Dev, is because LinkedIn – 
if you don't select some, put something in your headline on your own, they will grab your last job and your last title and throw it up there and assume that's what you want as a headline, right. which is just a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's clearly what has happened with some of the people. I'm looking online right now, and so this person's uh, LinkedIn headline is Executive Assistant to CEO. Okay. Or this person, Marketing and Business Development. Wow, that just really wants me to want to connect with these folks. So, you know, and, and originally, if I'm remembering right, you know, way back when we first started on LinkedIn, it asked for your job title. Now it is that headline. So, you know, we want to make it something that is memorable in case that's the only thing people see. You have that so right, my friend. You know, and let's talk quickly about photo. You know, oh, looking here online. Mm. <laughs> This yeah, you know, I know plenty of, yeah, I know a lot of people that will not even consider a connection request or a message or whatever from people who have no photo. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so the starting point is you better have one. But then the second thing is remember what LinkedIn's for. It's a professional networking site. So right. it, it shouldn't be the same picture you, pictures you have on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had, uh, I had Mike O'Neill and Lori Ruff on several weeks ago and they had this perfect point about your photo. It needs to be, you need to be looking at the camera. So, you know, I'm looking online and we've got somebody who's got a hat on and sunglasses or somebody else who is definitely, you know, not really paying any attention, you know, all these various things. And their point was look at the camera and smile in a pleasant way because you want it to look like they're talking to you. Yeah, you want it to look like you're all ready to meet them and you really are meeting them because this is the way we meet these days. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it really is. You know, how many times have we gone to LinkedIn, made a connection with somebody, and then met them in real life, and our only connection was initially with them on LinkedIn? So do you want it to be a good picture or, you know, the, the guy with the hat and the sunglasses? And I'm thinking, oh, he looks a little scary. Yeah, unless you're selling hats or sunglasses, and then I'd still probably talk you out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it, it does have to look professional. You know, I have started telling people that, you know, especially gentlemen, you know, it's pretty easy for a woman to look fairly professional in a picture with with what we wear. But for men, it's like, okay, do I wear a suit? Do you know? Do I have a tie on? And I've started telling some of the people, you know, if that's not how they see you at a professional meeting. You know, maybe you always wear, say, a polo shirt with your company logo because that's the type of business you're in. Then that's what's okay in your picture because if you wear a suit and tie, you might throw people and they're thinking, wait, who is this person? But it is just absolutely critical to have a good photo. Yeah, and I agree that you should wear what you wear to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So now let's talk about, uh, just as I said, I'm just going down through your list here, summary of your current and previous experience. So many people, they don't skip this part, but they definitely don't provide much information. How much is too much and how much is not enough in your opinion? Well, you know, the, the, the part that carries over up into your top box there are really just the entries that take place lower in your profile about your experience. And mm-hmm. the way people, the way I answer that question about how much experience should I include and which job should I include, the answer is, Two things. If you think that adding that job, even though it might have been 20 years ago, might help people find you mm-hmm. from your past, I'd put it on there. Or if that job helps increase your credibility, I'd put it on there as well. 
great. So that, you know, that's sort of the two filters that I use in in any section, really. But in the experience section, it's like I think about days when I first worked at Arthur Anderson out of college, and that's a long time ago and so on and so forth, and somebody might be tempted not to put it on there. But you know what? I'm reconnecting with lots of people from Arthur mm-hmm. Anderson who right. we should reconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's where I've seen people, especially, you know, people who are, shall we say, a little more mature, so older, <laughs> they think, well, I don't want to go back that far because then people will figure out how old I am. You know, well, we are who we are. And if that means that we need to go back 20, 30 years with our relevant job experience, then where's the harm in that? Yeah, and you know what? You you can hide away from the age and all that, but they're going to figure out how old you are. And plus, don't we want that? I mean, my goodness, we're going to meet them someday, or right? Yeah, I I kind of like say that it's like false advertising. You know, if I've met yeah. somebody online and I'm expecting, you know, maybe a thirty year old, and I meet them and they're in their fifties or sixties, you know, that's not necessarily a negative thing. But maybe it is if maybe you're interviewing them for a job. You know, then you're thinking, what else have they hidden? You know, what is there that, that is going on that I need to check into or maybe just eliminate this person as a candidate? Yeah, you just got to be confident with where you're at and your, what space you're in now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is something that I learned that is, I think it's probably fairly new. And I had seen this in your book from uh, the first edition, which uh, you have written the power formula for LinkedIn success, which is now in its second printing. And, and, you know, so that's great. But, you know, you had mentioned that we can move these sections around. So you can move, uh, you know, I don't know why somebody would want to put summary down further, but you can move all of the sections. And I just found out you can also rearrange the current uh, job experience because I have two positions. I have my position as the socialite, and then I am the, the president of Wise Women Communications. It's always kind of bothered me when it comes up in different order. Now I can just rearrange that. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially because some people have, you're right, some very, either very part-time jobs mm-hmm. and or I also recommend that if you're on the board of some gr- nice nonprofit in your mm-hmm. town, you might want to include that as a job, but you don't want it first. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that brings up a really good point is listing nonprofit experience. To me, that is absolutely critical. You know, now obviously it depends on what the nonprofit was, but in so many, it's a great way for you to get job experience. You know, there's, there's just so many reasons why you'd want to put it in there. And, and people love doing business with other people that help the community. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and and you can. the The nice thing is, if you list it as a, an actual job experience, you know, you want to be clear and say this is a volunteer position. But then, of course, you can get recommendations since you've listed it as an experience. You are so right about that. You know, I, I, recommendations can only be attached to educational and job experience entry. So it's just one more spot where people can talk about how good you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. To me, it really is something that's very important, especially for, say, someone who doesn't have a lot of work experience. Maybe they're younger and they just don't have all of that experience that they can put in. But 
they might have a ton of volunteer experience. Or maybe it's somebody who has been out of the job market for a while. I was working with someone one time who she hadn't been out of the job market for a while, but she had had the same position with the same company for over 20 years. And she was wanting to kind of expand what she was doing, but she was a little perplexed. Well, she had been on the board of uh, a charter school when it was founded. She had done a lot of volunteer work that way. And that really was a way for her to show a different set of skills that she had. And it also shows that maybe while she's looking for a different job, she stayed very busy and people like that. So I, for both those two reasons, I love it. I was teaching some college kids just last week about that and I said listen you don't have a lot of real job entries so think about did you teach Sunday school for five straight summers and all that that's all good stuff Well, and just like you do with a job, you know, a true paid job, you want to list in there what you did. You know, maybe you were the bookkeeper. Maybe you were the head counselor. You know, all of those things and then detail that because that is great relevant experience. Yeah, I would always include enough detail to sort of point the person who's reading to why you're, you'd are you be qualified for the job they may have for you right now. What are the skills that you gained back there or what are the experiences, right, that tie right. into your current job situation, whether you're looking or working? Well, and I've definitely seen people use it when they were in transition, and maybe they had been unemployed for a while, where they were showing that they weren't sitting at home, you know, just watching TV. They were out being very active in their community. Yeah, I I think there's no question about it. People just don't – so many people load up a couple of resume things and they think their profile's all good. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and LinkedIn, that really does bring up a good point. LinkedIn is so much more than your resume. It's a, it's a starting point only, but because it looks like a resume, people feel they're done. And, and you just miss all the branding and personal marketing opportunities that exist mm-hmm. by thinking about it that way. Right, right. Now, the next section that you talk about is contact information. It's, you know, to me, it's something that needs to be in there multiple times. And depending on if, you know, if and how you want to be contacted, you need to truly emphasize it. What's your feed, you know, what's your thought process on that? Yeah, and what in this, in this uh, article that you're referring to, I was speaking specifically about this contact information box that opens Mm -hmm. and closes. Mm -hmm. And, I think the more you're comfortable with phone numbers and addresses, if that's important, uh, mm-hmm. then you, you emails, Twitter accounts, all that kind of stuff. I'd include it. I look at mm-hmm. yours, and you've got your, you're all loaded up, and that's good. People can't miss a way to contact you, whichever way they feel is comfortable. It shouldn't be hard for somebody to look at their your profile and go, "I like her, but I can't figure out how to get hold of her." Right. You know, and and it's just like on a website. If they have to search to find it. They don't. They give up. No, I agree with you. And yesterday I was working with a business owner, and I said, well, you know, you've got your address on your website already. Mm-hmm. You could include it on your LinkedIn profile. I mean, it's already out there. Mm-hmm. I said, for some of us, don't we don't want that. That's fine. I get that. Right. But for mm-hmm. you, you got a regular business with brick and mortar. Why wouldn't you want your address on your web- mm-hmm. website, I mean, on your LinkedIn profile in case somebody wants to drive by? Definitely. You know, and, and you're right. I don't put my address out there because I home office, but I'd better be able to provide that information so somebody can call me or email me. Exactly. Everybody's strategy is going to be a little different, and LinkedIn has set up this, this contact section for all types of things. Doesn't mean you got to fill them all in. Mm-hmm. Right. 
it does make it a little tricky if you are looking for a job and you're currently employed because, you know, maybe you're, you, uh, well, if you're currently employed and looking for a job, you should never be sending people to your business, uh, email address unless, you know, it's, it, there are certainly times where maybe it's a severance package. They know you're leaving all those various things, but it does look a little weird if all of a sudden you have a Gmail address there. But, you know, again, don't make people have to try to find you because they will go on to the next candidate. They sure will because with LinkedIn now, there's lots of other people that at least look like you, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So now, you know, that one of the, the things that has kind of shifted around a little bit are the websites, you know, your, your personal websites. What has happened with those? Where have they gone? You know, it used to be just this very easy little information to find. Now it's like, okay, they've moved it. <laughs> yeah, they tucked it into this tab that opens and shuts by clicking on the, the little contact information mm-hmm. file card thing there. And I mean, I'm not a fan of it tucking it away. I thought that was a really great thing to have front and center. Mm-hmm. But, you know, time goes on and changes take place. And so it's, but it's still important to have those three websites used. And it's still also important to describe them as you have on your profile where you actually just don't say my company, my blog. You explain mm-hmm. what your company name is. You, yours, you say read my blog, which is a great call to action. And, and then you've got the exact description of Wise Women Communication LLC. So you want to describe the three spots, mm-hmm. use all three of them, and uh, just realize it's helping you also for SEO because you're linking websites with websites. Right. Now, if somebody doesn't have all of those, what other suggestions would you have for people to, to put there? You know, because yeah, so my suggestion, you know, think about it. You, you're probably involved in a nonprofit. You could put mm-hmm. that there. Mm-hmm. You probably have maybe um, some articles that you wrote somewhere that you put out on Scribd or Google Docs. You could put that link there. Read read the articles I wrote. If you're mm-hmm. a writer, mm-hmm. they can go to any web. They could go to a YouTube video where you've got your uh, video resume up. Mm-hmm. I've always found it a little interesting when somebody links their current employer there, and I know they're looking for a job. Yeah, it's like, oh, really? Is that what you wanted me to see? Yeah, and that boils back to whether you're going to sh- put on your profile that you are looking or not, which is mm-hmm. it's debatable. You know, some people feel you shouldn't. Other people, like myself, I feel that you you should tell your network exactly where you are business wise, and then they can help you. Mm-hmm. But that's a debatable. Right. You know, and, and yeah, because we don't want the, it's, it's one of those tricky situations. You know, if your boss looks at it and goes, well, if you're looking for something else, maybe we should just let you look full time. Yeah. That part's not debatable. (laughs) You know, one of my favorite stories though was someone who, and we'll talk more about the summary in a, in a minute, but she was looking for another position and, you know, it was just, she was wanting to grow with her career. So in her summary, she said, in the future, I would like to do such and such. Well, her boss, her current boss saw that and he called her into his office and he said, you know, what is this all about? So she was honest and she said, you know, it is something that I would like to do in the future. There was actually the opportunity at her current company to do that. So she was able to stay there. It had never occurred to her, though, to, to do that. And that was just kind of one of those uh, kismet type of things where it worked out perfect for her because she was able to stay at the company and, you know, keep all those benefits, things like that, and do what she really wanted to do. Yeah, she took some risk with that, but it paid right. off, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and she worded it a little vague. It was, you know, in the future, <coughs> excuse me, I'd like to do such and such. But, you know, it, it definitely did pay off for her. 
So now the next thing that you talk about is this section called People You May Know. To me, this is very interesting because, you know, I'm looking at that section on my profile. I've got four pictures that are initially coming up. Two of them are the uh, no photo type of thing. So it's the little gray guy. So I wouldn't even click on those. And then, you know, the next two look very nice. But why, you know, how are we really wanting to use this information to expand our networks? Because LinkedIn has placed it in a more prominent location now. Yeah, they sure have. And um, I think it's a great tool, but it's not meant to be like all of a sudden everybody they suggest to you should become your connection. Right. It's mm-hmm. meant to just be thought starters and just here's a list of people. Remember, they're going to throw people at you that are connected to you. I shouldn't use the word connect. They have some affiliation to you as it's mm-hmm. a second of other people. You went to the same school. You worked at the same places. So LinkedIn just has this algorithm of, that throw you up potential connections and I think it's a great spot when to use when people call me and go, Wayne, I've tried everything I can, and I have 45 connections on LinkedIn. I must be all done, huh? Mm-hmm. And I said, come on. You, I know you know more <laughs> people than that. Just spend a few hours on people you may know. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's always interesting to go down through these because I will almost always find somebody who I thought I was connected with, and I'm not. It was like, oh, well, that was a surprise. But it is a good way to really expand out of your current network. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's trying to connect people who you already have kind of those second and third degree connections or similar groups, all of those various things. And to me, it's just a, a very cool feature that LinkedIn is, is trying to do. I mean, just think about some of the people that we're doing business with now that we found because of social media, and they were from three jobs ago, and we're so glad that something like this popped up. We reconnected, and next thing you know, you're working together. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, one of the other features that is now giving, you know, it has much more prominence on, on at least initially where it's placed, is the activity. So what you have been doing... Why are they moving that up, and why do you think that's very important for people to be looking at? Yeah, they're moving it up because LinkedIn is trying to get us to use uh, the site not just for coming in and out and checking people out and using it just as this big kind of resume database, mm-hmm. and they want us to engage. And so these activity feeds are, are one of the tools that they can use where we share information, and the next thing you know, I read your post and I hit like. Mm-hmm. So we we just engage with with each other. I shared right. your information with my network because I thought it was interesting. And so, activity feed number one gets you engaged with the other people, your connections. But number two, allows you to share great information with your network that you think they should know, and just to stay in front of them. I, I mm-hmm. think the activity feed and status updates are the number one marketing tool on LinkedIn if used right. correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. I have started using, I, I use an application called Buffer App. I love it. I use it so much that I do have to do the, the paid version, but that's okay. It's, you know, a whopping 10 bucks a month. And what I have found very interesting in the last, oh, three or four weeks, I'm posting the same post on my Facebook page and on my LinkedIn status update. So it's a link to an article that I find interesting, you know, various things like that. I do mix up that you can, in Buffer App, you can, uh, shuffle them so that they're not going on those those platforms at the same time. So I think that kind of is good for people who are on both platforms. But I am getting much more feedback and interaction, as I said, with the exact same articles on LinkedIn. You know, Do you think people are definitely spending more time on LinkedIn than they have been on some of the other social media sites? 
Well, here's what I'll tell you about status updates. Almost every class I teach, and I do three or four classes a week, I'll ask the question, how many of you have posted a status update, a personal status update in the last week? And it usually be one out of 20. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people get this yet. I think they're still hesitating to use this because it feels like Facebook and because mm-hmm. they don't know what to say and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I agree with you. I use Hootsuite, and it works similar to Buffer. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way. But you know what? It takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, but we have to make an effort to do that. But you and I understand that it's a great marketing tool, and mm-hmm. most people don't realize. Listen, even if you're not in marketing, you should be marketing. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you should. People mm-hmm. connect with you on LinkedIn because they like you. They like your products and services. They like your company. Something's going on, and they do want to hear from you. And if mm-hmm. you don't talk to them, some other expert will. Right. You know, and part of the reason why you want to be posting fairly often is it's showing that you are there. You know, you have a presence on LinkedIn. If somebody hasn't posted a status update in a month, you know, a year, I, I know that they aren't active on, on LinkedIn. It, I do the same thing, and I and I always think about blog posts too. When I go to somebody's site and they got blogs and they haven't mm-hmm. posted a blog post for three months, I go, well, right. "Is the guy still alive?" Mm-hmm. And and the truth of the matter is, we do look for much more immediacy. You know, it's not did they post last week; it's did they post yesterday. And even you know, in some cases, we're thinking, well, they haven't posted you know, this morning. So I think that is very important for people to keep in mind is people are looking at that. They want to know that you're there and that you're active. Yeah, as much as we, we would like to have this interaction be much slower, it's, it has really speeded up the time that people assume you're going to get back to them. Right. And, and you're right. A post will also say, I'm out there, I'm busy, uh, here's Finding you on here, this is what I do, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and to me, there is definitely an overposting. You know, if, if I see that someone is posting a lot, even if I can tell that they're using, you know, something like Hootsuite or Buffer app or all of those various programs, then I am thinking, aren't they supposed to be working? I mean, to me, it's the same process if I'm looking on Facebook and they're playing a game and it's the middle of the day. It's like, really? Aren't you supposed to be working? Yeah, so what's your feeling on that, Deb? How many times a day you think is appropriate on LinkedIn? Of course, spread out during the day, and mm-hmm. it's still okay. What's your thought? You know, I do three or four times. Um, you know, I and, agree. And, I think that's the number. Yeah. You know, and as I said, I automate it, which makes it so much easier. What I do is as I'm sitting here looking at articles throughout my day, you know, I I can just click through, schedule them. You know, the nice thing about Buffer app is it gives me a little link that just appears on everything. So it makes it so much easier. I um, have subscribed to several different services that send me emails of relevant industry articles. So I can, on a Monday, fill up my queue for the whole week, which is, you know, then I have to kind of go back through and think, okay, did that one really pertain? Do I need that one? You know, all those various things. But it is something that, you know, once you get used to it and, and you, you, focus on it you can do it fairly quickly yeah i do this yeah my day is sunday on sunday mm-hmm. i do just what you do on monday right. mm-hmm. I, I i post my three or four but then during the day if i'm on and i see something else mm-hmm. i figure i could pop this one out too right. it's okay it's only mm-hmm. the fourth one today well and i think that it's it's less intrusive on linkedin because it's not like it it automatically goes out to everyone you know on facebook it's a little bit different they get the notice they you know so you could be it it, it's it is 
it's not as intrusive on LinkedIn as it is if you overpost on on Facebook. Yeah, and I, and I think the one rule that I tend to teach people is this: when it comes to status update, follow the six three one rule, and then you can't go wrong. And the six three one rule is for every ten posts that you do, mm-hmm. six of them should be from other experts in the same space you're in, other people. Mm-hmm sharing and training and educating. Three of them should be your educational stuff. Mm-hmm. And then one of them could be, hey, I'm having an event next week. I hope you're going to make it. Here's right. the link to register. Mm-hmm. So then you sort of earn the privilege to for that one out of ten because mm-hmm. you're always, for 90% of the time, you're just helping. Right. You know, and, and that's the key is you want to establish that you're an expert in your field. And, you know, I've, I've had so many people that have told me, well, I can't post a link to somebody else's work. Well, why not? It shows that you're keeping up on what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, if they're a direct competitor right next door to you, you might mm-hmm. want to think twice. But, but in general, you know, it's a big world out there. Right. And when you're posting, don't just post the link. Post, you know, a, a comment about it. Uh, you know, I love it when I post, you know, when I find an article that I can post that has tips. You know, maybe it's 10 tips for using LinkedIn. So I'll go through and I'll pick one that I like and I'll talk about it in the post. But then I ask that, you know, I'll, I'll close my post with saying, which one is your favorite or do you have another suggestion? And that really gets people to engage with you online. Yeah, I think that's perfect. You know, and one of the features in the posts in the status updates that I am so looking forward to, and it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate it, they announced this uh, a week or two ago, is the fact that we'll be able to tag the people that we're connected with in our status updates. Do you know if, I, you know, I, I keep going in and trying it, and it doesn't let me do it. Do you know if other people have it yet, or is that still a feature that's just kind of rolling out at some point? You know, it's interesting is I think it was a couple of weeks ago they talked about it and I have yet to find anybody who has it yet. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, that part drives people crazy a little bit, you know? Well, and you know, I've, I actually have in Facebook, I've turned it off because I want to give permission for that tag to appear before it actually appears because I've had people who have used it you know, in ways they shouldn't. You know, they have tagged a photo that I didn't like or, you know, the one person, a good example, I had somebody who posted a political cartoon and it was pretty extreme and it was the opposite of what I believed, you know, now I never talk politics online, but it was definitely the, the opposite of what I believed. And they tagged me in it. And when I contacted him, I said, no, you know, that was very inappropriate. But why did you do it? And they said, well, because we wanted your followers to see it. And I said, but by tagging that, it made it appear that I supported it. And they were fine yeah. with that. I wasn't. Well, and even, even if, you know, I'm like you, I try to stay out of the politics mm-hmm. But even if they tag you for the whatever side they think you're on, mm-hmm. you've, you've made the choice not to have that be part of your mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it to see how it works, mm-hmm. but I'm a little nervous about it because okay. of mm-hmm. because what worries me is every time LinkedIn tries to go the Facebook direction, mm-hmm. like a good example is endorsements. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when endorsements first came out, I felt, oh, you know what? This is the very first thing that I've seen LinkedIn try to gamify LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I wish they'd stick to the point, listen, we're a professional site, we're different than Facebook, and we're proud of it. Right. You know, and, and to me, endorsements, 
is well, it, it, the the similarity is liking a post on Facebook. So it's just a quick, simple little click. The problem comes in; it's it's too easy. So I have all these people who have endorsing me, and you know, don't get me wrong; it's nice that they think highly of me, but I have them endorsing me for say public speaking, and they've never seen me speak. So to me, it loses its credibility. That's true. You know, that's, that was my issue with it too. And what, um, what I'm finding interesting when I speak in, in, in groups is that the younger people, of course, love endorsements. Mm-hmm. And the older, and the older people don't. Right. Right. Well, amazingly, we are already at the bottom of the hour, so we're going to go ahead and take our break. And when we come back, since we started talking about endorsements, let's talk about recommendations when we come back, because those are so important. And then this really cool, maybe kind of cool feature, I'm still kind of mixed reviews on this, the professional gallery. So when we come back, let's talk about those. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. You're listening to Mile High Radio. MileHighRadio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Parenting is a rewarding experience that comes with challenges. Every parent experiences moments when they are overwhelmed or frustrated. Families First offers Circle of Parents support groups where Colorado parents can learn from each other in a safe, non-judgmental environment. Parent-led and professionally facilitated, each support group connects parents and caregivers to share advice and strengthen families. To learn more, call 1-800-CHILDREN or visit www.familiesfirstcolorado.org. Hi, Chris here from Yabana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yumbana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A. S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. YumbanaShop.com. The whispers in the morning Of love and sleep and Well, we had a little bit different bumper music there. I love that. You know, you got to absolutely love live radio. But, you know, we've been talking about social media. And the fun thing about social media is sometimes it is just like you're whispering and sometimes it's like you're shouting. So there is a big difference and you need to learn those tips and techniques. And with us today is somebody who I am so excited that he is sharing his tips and techniques is Wayne Breitbarth. And Wayne, before we jump back into what we were discussing, Tell people how they find you and how they connect with you because you have absolutely fabulous information to share. 
Well, I appreciate that. The easiest way to get a hold of me is on my website, which is powerformula.net, where you'll be able to find out how to get a hold of my book and my DVDs, but also sign up for my weekly free email of LinkedIn tips and, and, and tricks and techniques. And there's one page on my website called Free Resources where you can pick up this document we're discussing today, but a whole bunch of other free downloadable PDF files, checklists, and worksheets uh, at no charge. Great. And we're going to come back to talking about your free e-blast because the one I got yesterday was one of those total aha moments and I loved it and I want to make sure that we talk about it today. But let's, you know, let's jump back in because we were talking about endorsements and recommendations and how endorsements really don't mean all that much. You know, I'm looking at your profile right now. One of the things that I could endorse you for is accounting. Well, I have no idea what your accounting skills are. I, you know, I'm assuming they're very good. But, you know, if I endorse that, does it lessen my credibility if somebody comes back to me and says, hey, I saw that you endorsed Wayne for accounting. What do you know about his skills? No question. That would be a, you'd go, well, I don't know how good of accounting is. And I go, well, why did you endorse him for accounting? Because <laughs> right? the button was yeah. there. Yeah, because the button was there. So because it's so easy, you mentioned that before the break, it almost becomes silly. Mm-hmm. But here's what I'm pretty sure of. I'm pretty sure that LinkedIn is going to use this and the number of endorsements we get for certain skills, which I like to look at them as keywords, mm-hmm. in the search algorithm. Mm-hmm. And so you can not like what's going on and think it's stupid or silly or whatever, but sometimes you got to realize how the game's played, right. mm-hmm. and and so you can play along. And so, as much as I love people still getting recommendations because I do think they're better because they're more detailed and specific mm-hmm. and all that, I think you got to realize take endorsements for what they are and get the right skills up there, mm-hmm. and realize that some people will then endorse you for the, the correct skills, not basket weaving, if you've got nothing mm-hmm. to do with basket weaving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those things that there, there's definitely a debate of whether it's going to be valuable or not. And, and not everything gets debated like this, but this one sure is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings us back to recommendations, which to me, that's kind of the, the heart and soul of LinkedIn. How do people go go about getting recommendations? Is there such a thing as too many recommendations? Well, you go about getting recommendations by asking. Simple mm-hmm. as that. You know, you have to take the time and reach out to a client or a customer or a person that you've helped and say, you know, it would really help me if you could write a short recommendation. And I, you know, I think they're great. I think they're important. And I think, can you have too many? You really can't have too many because they sort of only the first two for each job or educational entry are going to show up on your profile. The rest people have to click through to read the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So in the old days, we had so many recommendations that would show up right on our profile. Right. And now we now we don't. So it's it's okay. And and here's what I know about recommendations too. Besides the detail that somebody might read, it also is will help you in the searching mm-hmm. uh, hierarchy. Searching definitely. Hierarchy. Definitely. Yep. You know and. It's, it, to me, it's one of those things where you can't have too many because as you said, you know, it's, you're just looking through and, and you only see two, but if you want to see more, you can. Um, but to me, if you only had two, then I'm going to think, hmm, why haven't more people recommended this person? No, I agree with you. And sometimes when people are looking through your recommendations, they may find friends of theirs and it's, it's, 
two, it's one out of the hundred you have for a certain job, but that one recommendation was the one that resonates with them because it's mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, LinkedIn for a while had this very cool feature. They had applications. And I love the fact that it was not like Facebook applications where anybody and everybody can add an application and some of them were not good. They stole information, all those various things. The LinkedIn applications were very good. They were pertinent. My favorite was the, the one from WordPress that brought my blog in as an automatic post. But there were so many other ones. And now they've done away with those. I'm still trying to get over that. But they've added this thing called professional gallery. So talk to people who may, you know, haven't, they haven't been on LinkedIn recently. What is the professional gallery? Why do we want to use it? And how can we use it? So the professional gallery allows you to put a video, document, documents, audio, links to other websites, those kinds of things right on your profile. And the applications used to do that for us. And I, like you, liked all the applications, and I'm getting used to the professional gallery, but I do like some of the features on the professional gallery are a little better than the applications. And one of the things I like better than the applications is that with the gallery, it shows up in the appropriate section where that document or video should be. Right. So you, you attach it to a part of your – instead of before we had all our BoxNet files in one spot, mm-hmm. and one might be for a nonprofit sign-up sheet for an event, and another one might be a slideshow you show to your clients, and they'd be mm-hmm. right next to each other, and people would have to try to find them. So I like that we can now put our stuff where it belongs. Um, the, the thing that you do have to realize about the professional gallery is it has to be linked to something. Before, it was an uploading process. Mm-hmm. Right. You uploaded it to SlideShare. You uploaded it from WordPress. You uploaded it from Box Files. So it, the document or the video has to be somewhere mm-hmm. online with the URL. So I, here's what I think about the gallery. The gallery is just another way to take your audience beyond the words, and get a better feel for why you're different than the other people they're checking out. Mm-hmm. And we all know people love video. They love looking at slideshows. All those things are ways that we can increase our credibility. So, But the one thing we need to make sure we tell your audience is some people still don't have the ability to use a professional gallery. This is another one of those crazy rollout features. Mm-hmm. And so when you are in edit profile, if you don't have the little square with a little plus sign down in the corner appearing right next to your little pencil where you edit your profile and in between the pencil and the up and down arrow where you can move your sections around, you don't have the ability yet to add these right. video and documents. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of phone calls yet and emails asking me why I read your thing, why can't I do it? And I'll go, well, it's a rollout. And that's how LinkedIn does things, and there's nothing you can do to make that happen sooner. And then two weeks later, they'll go, I got it now. I'm using it. So be patient. Um, that's not the way I would roll out. If I was doing my business, I wouldn't roll anything out. I'd have people get <laughs> it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not the way they do it. So I think the professional gallery is wonderful, especially for those people who having visual things helps explain their credibility. Mm-hmm. Architects, right. designers, photographers, mm-hmm. you know, speakers, they can show us a link to a video, that kind of thing. Right. And as you mentioned, you can you can have those, you know, once you have them, uh, the, that ability, you can have them with your actual jobs. You can also have them in your summary, which I think that's very cool too. Yeah, they can be attached to summary, job entries, and education. And it mm-hmm. will also go back to what we talked about earlier where we said we could have a nonprofit ent- entry mm-hmm. for a job. Now we can attach some of these documents to a nonprofit right. entry. Mm-hmm. And, and now I think that's powerful. 
Well, and I you know, would like to really recommend that everyone go and look to see if you've got that because I didn't have it a while ago and, and I, you know, now I do and I looked and I was a little dismayed because mine came up under summary because, you know, since I hadn't put anything in, I think that might be the default is it just puts them all there initially. So I had presentations that I had posted on SlideShare three years ago that were showing up there. That was not what I wanted showing up. So I spent... 10 minutes this morning going through and deleting all of those off of my LinkedIn profile because that really wasn't something that I wanted people seeing. Yeah, for those people who had previously used those couple of applications, SlideShare and BoxFile, mm-hmm. they just assumed you wanted them somewhere, and you're right. They just jammed them in your summary and assumed you were going to clean it up, do your spring mm-hmm. cleaning like we talked about. Right. You know, and and it really is a cool feature. I'm looking forward to using it and adding some things back in because, as you mentioned, you can do so many things. You can add video. You can do a PDF. You can link to websites. You know, uh, you've got a link to your constant contact sign-up form. I use MailChimp, so I'll be using that same thing. And it's it's a picture. So people tend to notice it a little bit more because there is an image there. Yes, and, um, you know, the the video people have watched my video and they have actually called me to help them with a speaking event or an association mm-hmm. outing or something mm-hmm. by watching the video so i know it works right you know and and it really is as we were saying pretty simple to add it just has to have a link somewhere else so you need to have a vimeo if you're doing video you have to have vimeo youtube something like that but those are free you know we're big on free i like free um you know and and so take advantage of those if you are a you know currently in the job market you might consider doing a little online introduction of yourself so that people see a little bit about you you know no more than a couple minutes at the most but, you know, that way if a potential employer is looking at it, they see that you know how to look professional, how to act professional, some things like that. Yeah, I have a couple of universities that I work with uh, twice a year with the students on their LinkedIn, and they are now actually doing uh, a one-minute video resume, and they are popping it on their LinkedIn profile. It's mm-hmm. just powerful. Right. Well, and, you know, video really is so important. I was giving a seminar a couple years ago and was talking with a gentleman, and he had unfortunately been off work for quite a long time. And, you know, we talked earlier about not talking about politics. I also advise people to watch posting about religion. You know, it's obviously if it's something that is just the core of your being, which for many people it is, you still want to post about it. Maybe not so much on LinkedIn, though. And this gentleman came up at a break and he said, you know, he had some video of him uh, as a lay minister at his church and should he post it? My initial reaction was no. And then I thought about it and I said, wait a minute. He was applying for positions where it was, he was going to be presenting to groups of people. You know, he would be a team leader, things like that. So I asked him if he had the ability to edit video, which he did. And I said, okay, get it down to just, you know, no more than two minutes. Post it online. You know, be very clear that you're telling people this was, you know, you were presenting the sermon on such and such a date. And I said, because what it's showing is that as a lay minister, that comes back to that volunteer experience. He had budget experience, all those various things. I said, but more importantly, it shows that you're comfortable speaking in front of a group of people. He called me three weeks later, and he had a new job, and he said they directly referred to the fact that they loved that video. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? But I think mm-hmm. you're right. Your statement that video is hot is a true. That's right. true. Mm-hmm. 
So that brings us, you know, while we're here, I want to talk about the summary because I've seen people do various things with the summary, good and bad. To me, I tell people it is the story of your professional career. And I see so many people do two sentences there. What do you think should go in a summary and and why? I like the idea of the story of your professional career. I think that should be part of your summary. Mm-hmm. I think the first paragraph of your summary regardless of what you're you're uh you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. you should make sure that that first paragraph explains to the reader the exact thing you're doing or would like to do or would or mm-hmm. who you work with in other words I should read your first paragraph and go I understand exactly what Deb's doing and maybe I should be involved or maybe not mm-hmm. you know so the history part's great but that first paragraph to me is is where you get to say Here's what I do. Here's what I'm doing. Uh, do you want to be a part of it? Right. Because many people may not read past that first paragraph. Yep, that's exactly right. It shows up way at the top. And so take advantage of, of their attention at that point. And, and don't start talking about, well, 50 years ago I graduated from college and I did this. And by then they're going, I'm so bored with this guy. I'm moving on. Right. Well, and, and yours is a great example. It says, I am a social media consultant, speaker, and trainer specializing in LinkedIn use and strategy. I have helped more than 40,000 business people from entry level to CEO understand how to effectively use LinkedIn. I help companies develop a comprehensive strategy for using LinkedIn to grow their business and build their brand. I then train their team on how to use LinkedIn to meet their objectives. Right there, people know exactly what it is that you do. They're not going to call you and say, hey, Wayne, I can't figure out Facebook. Well, they might, but <laughs> um, and and they know really right from those four or five sentences what it is that you do. Right. And, you know, the first sentence there is a historical fact. That's mm-hmm. how many people I've taught, right? Right. So I'll, I have credibility, but then the next sentence jumps right out and says, if you need this, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You know, and, and I always like it in first person. So saying I have done, I do this, it, it's just entirely a personal preference. But to me, I want it to be like I'm telling it to them. So I wouldn't say Deb Creer does. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of the first person too. I know that's debatable. And I always like to think that it's, you write it as if you're going to have a cup of coffee with them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, it, you can put 2,000 characters in here. I think that people should use all 2,000 characters, or at least half of that. You know, if I see somebody who's put two or three sentences, no. To me, I think they don't know how to use the tool more than anything. I agree with you. 2,000 characters, I recommend that highly. I'd use Word so you can spell check it, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I and I put some bullet points or something in to break up the 2,000 characters. And I'm I'm so right on spot with you where that it's way at the top. Mm-hmm. Use it as your sort of like your cover letter, cup of coffee, and don't assume they're going to go into any other section but that and make sure you can at least grab them or not grab them. It's okay if people look at your profile right. and go, I get what Deb does and I don't need her. Great. Right. Mm-hmm. Move yeah. on. You know, like I said, they might look at yours and go, nope, I was wanting Facebook help, so I'll go find somebody right. else. That's right. Yeah. You know, what we've been doing is going from a white paper that Wayne has written called Don't Whine About LinkedIn's Changes, Capitalize on Them. They can be found on Wayne's website. Again, Wayne, tell us where we can find that. 
Yes, uh, you go to the tab that says resources, and you slide down to the subcategory called free. You like free, I like free. Free, and it's the it's the top PDF resource that's on that list of free downloadable PDF LinkedIn resources. Perfect. And there are so many other good tools there that I really want people to to go there and look. The reason I want to skip ahead now is because of this email that I got yesterday from Wayne, because I, of course, have signed up to get his weekly emails. And the feature that he is talking about, I had absolutely no idea that this existed. And I I read this yesterday on my phone. I came back. I read it. I've read it several times because I was so excited about it. And it's uh, you in the email you talk about how cool would it be if you could write notes right on someone's LinkedIn profile? Only you could see the information, but you know, as, as you talk about in the email, you can post a lot of different things there. I love this feature. Talk to us about this feature and tell us how people can use it and what they, they could be doing here. Yeah, it's sort of weird how you come up with ideas for your blog or your email newsletter. And that one came up because somebody last week asked me the question, mm-hmm. I wish I could do this. And I go, well, you can. You can do this. And I thought to myself, I didn't write about that yet. I need to do that. So I did it for this weekend. So here's the feature. The feature is with your first degree, only your first degree, you go to that edit contact box, you pop Mm -hmm. it open, and the next thing you know, it'll say add contact information and a little pencil there. Mm -hmm. Now, the pencil, whenever you see the pencil, that means you can do something. Mm -hmm. And when you pop that open, it allows you all these little little, um, uh, sections that you can add about a person. It's Phone numbers, maybe they didn't share. It's birthdays, wives' birthdays, wives' names, all these little sections that includes just one section at the bottom that's just called notes. Mm-hmm. And, and that information, after you save it, will only be in your little contact file, not any, for anyone else to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just very cool because, you know, we meet so many people, especially now more than we used to because we can do some virtually, and mm-hmm. we sort of scratch your head and go, how did I meet that guy again? My right. goodness. I, I, right? And you just put in there. Like I showed, I showed a friend of mine, Steve. I, I met him for the first time, and I used that little thing to say he's a co-author at the same publisher I used, and mm-hmm. this is what he does. So that next time when I'm on the phone with him, I can pop that open and go, oh, that's right. He, he wrote a book for Greenleaf mm-hmm. just like I did. Right. And to me, I love this feature because I do come in contact with so many people online and and I meet them in person. Or maybe I met them briefly and I'm having a conversation with them more in depth. I could go in here and I could put that information. You know, I initially met Wayne through LinkedIn. He's been on my radio program. The first time was back in November. You know, and then right before I meet you, I can open that up. That jogs my memory. You know, maybe I've put in there your wife's name, you know, what your anniversary is. To me, this is an absolute boon, especially for salespeople. Yeah, we've, we've all been asking for more CRM type features from LinkedIn. And this is one of them. Right. You know, and, and it really is something that I think people, once they know it's there, this is going to be powerful because how many, you know, it, even if you have more than, you know, a hundred contacts, you don't remember those people. So you need to go back in and make those little notes. So maybe it is, you know, at this last meeting, we talked about X and I'm going to follow up with him. So you got all of that right there. And I love the fact you say, you know, this way we're not putting it on the little sticky note so that we lose it and then we, or we just write somebody's phone number or, and you're thinking, Oh, what did that go to? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, this also pointed out to me this past week when this one came up and then I wrote about it is people really have to align themselves with experts in areas and i do the same thing with a bunch of people like like you said twitter and all that i'm following other people to keep me up to date because you just can't keep up to date on Mm -hmm. all of them yourself right you know and and social media changes so quickly you know as i said i'm i'm on linkedin all the time but there were still several features today that i looked at i went oh well i've missed those one was was this tip that you had i hadn't realized that my you know uh, SlideShare presentations from four or five years ago were on there. So you really have to follow other people to keep up on those. You really, you really do because if you think about it, this profile that you have out there is one of your very most important digital assets. Mm-hmm. And so like every asset in your life, like your home, you have to maintain it. You have mm-hmm. to stay up with it or else it will be run down and it won't look right and people won't call you. Right. You know, and, and it's because we have so many other options that are out there, so we can easily pick and choose between them. You know, and, and do we really want to make it where somebody decides they're not going to meet with you simply because your online profile is so out of date? Some, what we all ought to realize is that we shouldn't all be on all platforms because we don't have time to do them all right. right. Mm-hmm. We should be on the ones where the best audience exists. Spend the, and be really good at those and proud of them and on top of them and maintain them. And if you want to be on a couple of others because they're sort of good but not as good as this one, it's okay. But if you try to be everywhere, all of a sudden you're watered down so nothing's really that good. Right. You know, and, and, or if it's a struggle, you know, it's, it's funny. This is actually my blog post this week is somebody who's trying to do too much and is overwhelmed. And, and so then what happens is their posts come across that way. You know, the I hate to be here, but I'm going to be here anyway type of post. It's just like if you go to a networking event and somebody comes up and shakes your hand. If you know they don't want to be there, it comes across really fast. No question about it. I mean, each of these social media sites have a personality and and, and a sort of a, a uniqueness to them. Mm-hmm. And if one doesn't feel good to you, you just doesn't don't like things that show up and all mm-hmm. that, then that's probably not fitting your personality. And and mm-hmm. relieve yourself of that and get off it. Right. You know, and and don't let people tell you, oh, you have to have a Facebook page. If it works for you, fine. If it doesn't, then don't stress over it. Yeah, no question about it. And that, that, that whole thought process is going to continue. You know, you know as well as I do, you're, you're in the social media space. This area is, everything's going to keep changing and being different. And we just have to get more discerning all the time with our time and our effort and make sure it's in the place where we're going to get the best results. Mm-hmm. You know, and because we all have time we need to be spending somewhere else. And if you're thinking, okay, I have to spend an hour doing Facebook posts today. That's an hour that you're not out doing whatever. You know, maybe it's something for fun. Maybe it's the hour that you're not walking your dog. Or maybe it is the hour that you're not, you know, doing client work or actively really trying to get new clients. Think about where you're going to be. And to me, you know, LinkedIn is really kind of a slam dunk. You have to be there, you know, and and work it well. And it's a slam dunk, especially for B2B. Mm -hmm. But if you're B2C, and, you know, you say, listen, I have an ice cream stand, and 
I go, well, you know what? If you don't have all the time in the world, maybe you want to spend most of your time on right. Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, you're, an, you're a B2C mostly. Uh, you spend it over there, and I love mm-hmm. LinkedIn, but I'm not going to talk you into something that's sort of a, a, a B site for mm-hmm. you, not an A site. Right. You know, and, and you're so true. You know, B2C, it is very difficult sometimes to be on LinkedIn, and maybe Facebook is the better place or Google Plus or, you know, whatever it is. The the point is, you might need to experiment a bit and see what works best for you. Yeah, and I think it boils down to this: Where do you find your audience? Mm-hmm. Great. Well, speaking of that, Wayne, one last time: Where do people find you and connect with you online? Powerformula.net is my website, but feel free to also contact me through LinkedIn. You'll find me, uh, find my profile, and send a connection request on how we we met each other, even if it was. You listen to the radio, Mile High Radio Show. I'd love to connect with your audience. That'd be perfect. And, boy, it's been so much fun to be on again. An hour flew, as I thought it would. I know. Thank you. Well, and I want to give one last pitch for Wayne's book because this is, it's, it's great. Wayne sent me the new version because it is now a second edition. It's called The Power Formula for LinkedIn Success. The reason I'm so glad you sent me the second uh, edition is somebody borrowed my first edition and I never got it back. So now I have my little book back. This is one of the few books, you know, I'm not one of those people that dog ears pages. My books, uh, my my book from Wayne has all these pages turned down, all these little bookmarks because it has such great information, and it really is just a, a very cool tool to be able to to look through and and see how to use uh, LinkedIn as as a great tool. Thank you for that. Great. Well, you know, I'm sure that LinkedIn will make more changes and Wayne will be back. But until then, find Wayne at PowerFormula.net or also on LinkedIn. You can find me at DebCareer.com, D-E-B-K-R-I-E-R. And all of my social media sites are there. So connect with me there. Look forward to uh, following you, Wayne, and seeing more posts about things that we need to be doing on LinkedIn. Thanks, Deb. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, everybody, and go enjoy this fabulous spring day. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say Listening to Mile High Radio, MileHighRadio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Parenting is a rewarding experience that comes with challenges. Every parent experiences moments when they are overwhelmed or frustrated. Families First wants you to know you are not alone. Colorado parents can call 1-800-CHILDREN for answers, resources, and support. This free confidential support line can be the difference between struggling alone and finding the support you need to strengthen your family. Call 1-800-CHILDREN or visit www.familiesfirstcolorado.org. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.